You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lynn Markell. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. And well, uh, well okay. We all tried to We all it. tried to start at the same time. It's the end of the year. This is our last episode of 2020. Yeah. It is. We made it through this year. <laughs> well, well, uh, <clears throat> generous because it's the 29th at the time that this is coming out. Okay, we, so we hopefully still- made it through this year. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. But regardless, so, it's the end of this fucking year. So let's yes. let's reflect. Twenty twenty reflections. Want to. No. We're gonna pretend like it didn't exist. Uh, yeah. I mean I mean, not really. I mean, there have actually been um, a lot of yeah. good things that have happened to me this year. There have been a lot of bad, and I feel like everyone can relate to that. There's yeah. been a lot of good and a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. And you gotta always kinda take it the good with the bad and remember that, you know, time is just a Construct. construct and like at the end of the day a year is just a marking of time and like you know it is what you make of it yeah right and, and i g- mean good things did happen i wouldn't say a lot like, an amount <laughs> good things did happen <laughs> yeah yeah we got we got our first uh affiliate we did partner did. this year thank you metallic dice game yeah yes, that metallic was dice that was awesome you know um this time of year is actually in general, really difficult for me personally. And I don't want to talk too extensively about this because, first of all, this is not a podcast about me. <laughs> Second of all... You can you can find us at... No. We don't have a podcast about Taylor. The, it's kind of a bummer to talk about sometimes. Um, but with all the weather changes and everything, I have a lot of physical health problems that flare up with all these weather changes. And it can make my day-to-day life a little difficult. Um, yeah... And additionally, it can make things like research really difficult, which sucks because I love doing the research for Dungeonpedia. Like, it's, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I did a whole year-long arc because of how much I love researching certain topics. Yeah. You did do that. So, I, this is my first episode without having firm direction that I've done research on, rather, and... I had no clue what I was going to do. I actually went back and looked through several of the uh, suggestions that we have in our email, and I had even picked out a few that I was going to do research on. But uh, with most of those, they required a few weeks of research, and I really just... I I wanted to put my all into a lot of those, mm-hmm. and this one was kind of easy because I had a lot of the information ahead of me, and... It was something that I had wanted to touch on a while back. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a follow-up. <laughs> but anyways, I remember that during the Giants episode, I briefly me- briefly mentioned the Giant Ken. Yes, yes, they did yes. come up. Giant adjacent people. They're basically the half-siblings of the true Giants. You know, Storm Giants, Cloud Giants, Fire Giants, those people. Yeah. And the reason that they're considered half-siblings is because based on Giant and Giant Ken origin stories, they are half-siblings. Oh, uh, so giants believed that they were descended. They were the descendants of two giant gods, Anam Allfather and Othea. Right. And from their children, which are Arno and Julian, Masud, Nicias, Obadiah, Otar, Rook, and Vilmos. You got the different. Yeah, you have the different kinds I of giants. I love all of those names. Yeah, me too. I just I love giant names. Julian. <laughs> Well, Othea, and I mentioned this in the giant episode, Othea cheated on, on him. Like two or three times, right? A couple. Pro- it was, more than that, probably, honestly. Well, I mean, if at we're, least a few. I mean, if we're talking in, like discrete uh, incidents, then probably, yeah, but like uh, only with like three other different people. Whatever. That we two? know of. Three that we know of. Three that we, okay. Well, <laughs> technically two that we know of, and there was 
probably a third that we know. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, Bahamut was sleeping with all seven of his exarchs, apparently. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that was did a, not like the fact that I feel like yeah. with other people. I feel like that was a different setup. Yeah, I feel probably. like there's a bit of a difference between these two here. Yeah. So, Othea cheated on Anam with Vaprak, who was the demigod of greed, destruction, and violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Their resulting Sounds tri- like a fucking catch. He eventually created the ogre race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Travis and Lewin sounds of understanding. Oh. <laughs> so, not much was actually talked about with Vaprak and Othea's affair, other than that in the giant pantheon, sorry, the giant pantheon, Vaprak is considered an interloper god, which, at least in D&D terms, essentially means that he's a god from another pantheon that found reverence in the giant pantheon. Oh. Yeah. He's an interloper. That that feels like a... Invader? Yeah, that feels like a word that has a slightly more negative connotation. It, it does. And, like, in that context, actually, not to get too far off of that, there are instances in the real world where pantheon gods from certain pantheons found reference in other pantheons that happened a lot in egypt and greece and babylon mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah yeah i mean true there are a whole lot of real world instances where they kind of yeah mingle. yeah the only difference well one of the many differences between <laughs> the real world and D in this regard is that the it's understood that all gods are real and yeah. D since and like whether or not you pay homage to them. Yeah. Like it's an undeniable fact that like, yeah, that God exists. Yeah. Anyways. So Vaprak is kind of this like hideous looking green dude. Like basically picture a troll. That's Vaprak. Like, like advanced, advanced, like God troll, yeah. if you will. And Sounds like a fucking catch. Right. I don't, still don't understand why Othea Vaprak. cheated on it on on them with him, but regardless, it would it was probably just to piss him she off. She thinks rage is sexy and greed you know and and troll <laughs> troll troll behavior. So Anam's or sorry, excuse me, Othea's oh. other affair lasted much longer and is a lot more talked about. That was the one with the. I won't even try to recollect. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even try. You you, you don't want to you don't want to try it. He was a. Uh, ocean god, right? Mm, close, actually. He was the lawful neutral father of giant king races. Yeah. And the god of glaciers, polar environments, and arctic dwellers. Oh, so close. Yeah. You were very close. He was the god of cold oceans. What is this dude's cold name? Cold water. Uh, he was named Ulutiu. Ulutiu. I feel like we pronounced that differently last time. We did. I, I think did. it was Ulushu. That I pronounced it last time because every time I see the T-I-U, I want to pronounce it a shoe. But anyways, a you. I actually looked it up this time. Okay. <laughs> Dang, I was so close. So uh, he's also known as the Lord in the Ice and the Eternal Sleeper because, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I already mentioned it in the last episode I covered. He, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when Anam found out, he put locked him in a glacier, basically. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Lord in the Ice is a really cool name, though, I feel like. A cool title. Yeah, it really is. So it's cool because Oth- it's ice. Oh my <laughs> god! Othea and Ulutiu, their affair lasted for thousands of years, from negative twenty five five hundred dr to about twenty five five or sorry twenty five fifty dr. That's a long time. That's a long ass affair. That's Wait, basically it, that's what fifty one hundred years. Was right? it twenty five fifty or negative twenty? Sorry, negative twenty five fifty. So, to twenty five fifty. No, negative twenty five five hundred dr to oh, negative twenty five fifty. Never mind. I thought it was. I thought it was twenty five fifty yeah, on both sides. Different no. uh, length there. But yeah. I will say that's a longer period of time. That's. I mean, either way. Time. Yeah. Either way, that's a very long time. In that time, they they had children together that would later beget the giant kin. Yeah. So half siblings. Yeah. Um. One of like those, literally. Yeah. One of those children, Dunmore, he was actually passed off as a child of Anam, but was discovered to be one of Ulutiu's children <gasps> and when there was affair was discovered. So just wanna throw this out real quick. That screams awful lot like the whole Loki situation to me. Yes. Yeah. Um I actually I mean, I know that Loki wasn't 
from like an affair, just the whole passing him off as Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, to me, I my mind went straight to a like a Joffrey Baratheon. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say the giants kind of take a lot of inspiration from Nordic mythology. I mean, obviously, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Obviously. Um, in fact, the giant language is actually print- called Jotun, which Very is, uh, I'm pretty sure, an actual word in yeah. Nordic. I think, I think it's, it's the word for giant. I think literally Jotun is the word for or, giant. Sorry, Jotun. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, Jotun is a type of, like... Um, God giant, right? It's like know. a uh, supernatural entity in Nordic. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So it kind of encompasses all of the supernatural. It's contrasted with gods. Yeah. And other figures. Oh, like a like an oni. Yeah. Like Let's dwarfs, say. elves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haltra. So and they look cool as shit. So Dunmore's children and, you know, race that he created were were originally called wood giants, but when their status as giant kin instead of true giant was discovered, they became known as Vodkin. Um hmm. Othea and Elutius' other sons were unnamed, but they created the Furbolgs, the Fomorians, and the Verbeaks. Furbolg. All of which, and the giant kin in general, are considered Mog by giants. And that's in the Yotun language, the giant language, and it means evil. Dang. Damn. Now, this is 100% because Damn. of their creation coming from an affair. Just cursed oh, the whole of the So that's, like, that's, that's just reflective of their personal bias. Yes. It's that, not because, because, I mean, obviously not all giant kin are evil. But. Right, Yeah. Um, but true giants consider them evil because they are the product of evil. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a healthy mindset to have. Giants are weird, man. (laughs) But we're going to jump right into the giant kin with the Vodkin. Yes, to the Vodkin. So these would-be true giants were originally introduced in the second edition Monstrous Manual in 1993. Like I said, uh, they were originally considered to be the shortest of the giants, but they're also fairly small for giant kin. Averaging between eight and a half to nine and a half feet tall and weighing about 700 pounds. Which, small, is like <laughs> incredibly small for so, giants. Yeah, no, keep in mind that the shortest type of true giant, the Etten, comes in at about 12 to 13 feet. Yeah. And yet. Yeah. So, okay, so when they were introduced, they were introduced as giant kin. Yes. With right the, off the bat. Right off the bat with the lore. That they in had, kayfabe, they had been considered true giants up until they, yeah, yeah, their true origin was discovered. Okay, gotcha. honestly, so kind of skipping ahead, the Vodkin aren't mentioned outside of second edition. I, I mean, other than a few magazines and stuff like that, there's not really much mentioned. Oh, about them. rip. Yeah. Huh. Any idea why? Not really. They just kind of. Maybe they just fell out of favor, and they were like, favor. "We don't really." They looked at they looked at furbolgs, and they were like, "We like that better." We're gonna. We don't really need these. Uh, the, whatever these are. Yeah. Weird ones. I. Which I mean, sucks. I, say that. I, I actually really that. like the wood giant. Well, the Vodkin, and you'll see why. Gotcha. So they actually kind of look somewhat like giant-sized wood elves. Yes. They're lighty, the and they're actually really good friends with the wood elves because they share the same space. So they're Aww. like hippie giants. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hippie elf giants. I like it. And uh, looking. Back after having done all my notes, parts of that was clearly taken for the um, the furbolgs later on down the line, but we'll get there later. Mm-hmm. So they have kind of the physical proportions of humans, which makes them rather thin for giants, but they have absolutely no facial or body hair, including eyebrows. Do they have head hair? Mm-hmm. No. They have no they hair have, whatsoever. No hair. They're just bald, no eyebrows, no bald, body hair no, anywhere. Nothing. Bald, wow. tall. What elves? Yeah. And their heads seem kind of overly large for their bodies, especially, like, their jaw and chin area. Oh. Their ears are also placed higher up on their head than a human, kind of like an animal. Um, <laughs> almost completely above the line of the eyes. Lewin has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> their skin can come in, like, shades of browns or yellows or greens, like the wood elves. Right, yeah. what you would kind Those of more yeah. crunchy, crunchy and colors. Th- they are just crunchier in general. They're fond of leather armor, and they carry bows and quivers, and yeah, yeah. They're just oversized wood elves. Yeah, and they, they're what frequently else? stained in forest colors, and everything they own is stained in forest colors. They they have no layers, and they instead choose to live under the stars with wood elves all the time. Yeah, and um, they fall in love. 
I mean, probably. Um, I will say, uh, so in second edition, it gives this thing that says offspring is are rare as female as each female gives birth to only one d four children in their li- lifetime, and I'm like, that sounds normal, right? That sounds that, like a. <laughs> I mean, I guess in terms of like D and D, it's not. Normal, yeah, maybe. But... Yeah, maybe it was meant to be framed against a like a, a, a society where you know you're just like a baby factory. Yeah. I mean, or maybe the maybe the person that wrote that particular thing had like eight siblings. So maybe, they just had or, a personal bias in their head that that was normal. I mean, I guess because like giants and elves are both kind of long lived. Maybe that like oh yeah, true. Yeah, that that okay that because I feel like one d four children in a um like you know ninety year lifespan like a human is kind of like yeah that's a normal amount. But I feel like maybe in a seven hundred year yeah. lifespan, like a like an elf is like, so you could you could probably you could probably have some. more. I guess that does bring up the question though: Do we know what their lifespan is? Um, I couldn't find anything. Um, give me just hmm. a moment. Also, the idea of that is like funny. Just when things that, when when things that should be, which I know like you roll for it and it establishes it, but things that should just be like a definite amount. Or even like a range is, is instead of one through four, it's one D four. So it's like, right. how many kids are you going to have? And then like, I roll my D four and I'm like, fuck four. Damn God, it. Damn it. Uh, Three. Okay. No, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I actually, I'm the only part that has them and doesn't mention any lifespan or anything. But if it's comparable to other giants, it is long lived or rather other giant kin. Yeah. So, I mean... I guess that is kind of like a Fair. rarity. Yeah. If they're longer lived than having only four children in a long lifespan is like, really? If that maxed out at four. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they don't tend to mix well with any other intelligent creature, but they do tolerate any kind of good elf. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, they're incredibly mixed with the wood elves. They're friendly, but they're flighty and frivolous and... Not really in a great hurry to do anything other than eat and drink large amounts of wine. Look, kind I mean, of like a, okay. a middle ground of giants and like Eldrin. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, some of those giants, if I like, if I remember correctly, were real, real drinkers, real drinkers, and just real kind of loosey goosey about life. Yeah, just kind of like whatever. Trants consider them to be irrational, foolish, and occasionally obnoxious, but otherwise enjoyable. Occasion. <laughs> Hey, we all know we all know someone like that, and occasionally obnoxious. I so guess. Hmm. they're all right, though. <laughs> the jaw of the Vodkin is as large as it is because of the oversized grinding teeth in it. I, I'm trying to think of an animal like equivalent. Me, no. So these teeth are completely unsuited to eating meat, but are perfect for vegetables and other plants. Kind of like a horse, I guess. But. I mean, horse teeth are fairly big. Yeah. I guess, but I, I feel like it's, they're like kind of in proportion. Hmm. I don't know. No, I, yeah. So they're basically vegetarians just from... Necessity. Yeah, yeah. how they are. So herbivores. Yeah. There's, there's a word that, for that. that. That's fair. Right. <laughs> herbivores. There's a word for that. So they really aren't mentioned outside of second edition, and even within second edition, not much either. But there's uh, a really great supplement called Giant Craft. Ooh. Uh, and it's exactly as it sounds, talking about different types of giants and giant kin. Hell yeah. And according to the Vodkin's own legends, the Vodkin noticed that Anam had not allocated any of Astoria, which was the giant kingdom of old that went to shit before anyone else came out to Faerun. Yeah. Anyways, Anam had not allocated Astoria's force to any of his sons, and so... The Vodkin sees them for their own. They were just like, they just moved in. Yeah. Nice. Good for them. Uh, So for a long time, the Yotsun Brood, which is the other giants. The true giants. The true giants accepted Vodkin as equals. (laughs) However, when the earliest of storm giants discovered that Dunmore, the progenitor of Vodkin, was actually sired by Elutiu and not Anam, they cast them out. Uh, Thea apparently tricked Anam into accepting Dunmore as his own so that she'd have sort of a spy among the elders of the Yotun Brood. Nice. <laughs> uh, despite the evidence, the Vodkun continue to claim Anam's parentage. This fervent belief makes the wood giants an aloof and haughty race compared to the other giant kin, 
and they think themselves far removed from Verbeegs and Furbolgs and the others and believe themselves superior hmm. to a lot of the Jotun brood as well. Oh, so see, is they're that... in denial. Yeah. I mean, see, is that from them, uh, their their beliefs about their parentage, or is that from them hang- hanging out with elves for too long? Because, <laughs> yes. like... Well, no, what elves are pretty chill. So It's like them sun elves you gotta watch out for, but... I don't know if you guys remember much about the Ordning, which was basically the order of in which the giants, yes, like casting was. Yeah, and it was big and fat. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> so the Ordning was a way of life, even for the giant kin. Like they, they even fell into it. Oh yeah, yeah. So let me, they let were. Me guess. They were at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got all it. giant kin were roughly at the bottom Rip. because of the because of Othea's betrayal. Well. Because they're responsible for the actions of their yeah. parents. <laughs> the Jotun, sorry, the Vodkin believed the Jotun brood betrayed Othea, and they were all r- wrongly placed at the bottom of the ordning, and so they are now a unhappy and brooding bunch. So unhappy, brooding, haughty, but literally heavy drinkers. Literally, in the next sentence, it says they live comfortably and in peace with the elves and fairies of the forest. I mean, I mean, no, that makes sense to me. They can be unhappy with like the their rest family. of the world and their family. That's fair. You know, actually, no. Consider that like being unhappy with your family and living apart from them, but you know, being happy with your current setup and and everything, but still kind of resentful. That just sounds like the average twenty-something. You're not wrong. <laughs> Anyways, Vodkin are usually chaotic good. Nice. Yeah, that does kind of make sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. With everything we've uh, yeah. heard With so everything, far. yeah. So next up on the docket are the Fomorians. Now, Fomorians were introduced in the first edition Monster Manual 2 and have been in every edition since. They have not been removed. Dang. Cool. So okay. they're generally considered to be the ugliest of the giant kin. <laughs> Fomorians are the most hideous deformed and wicked of all giant kind. Yeah, I looked up a picture of them earlier. I uh, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. They're from, oof. From the Fomorians of Shin Megami Tensei. They're almost exclusively chaotic evil. I, yeah. I would be too if I looked like that. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> they tend to be solitary, dwelling in forlorn places such as mountains, caves, or abandoned mines. Or no one has to look at them. A Fomorian will have terrible deformities, such as one arm misplaced, huge feet or short legs, eyes on the side like a fish's, or one in the back of the head, a hump on the back, pointed long head, flapping ears, a gaping or tiny mouth, a huge nose or snout, and so on. Oh my god. That is a direct quote. I mean... Also, an eye in the back of your head might be fairly useful. Yeah, that's a... I mean, still a deformity nonetheless, but... I mean, yeah... Uh, so they have scattered patches of hair as tough as wire, and they're about 13 to 13 and a half feet tall and around 600 to 1,000 pounds. So they're even, like, j- uh, slightly taller than uh, Ettons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, okay. Why are the Vodkins so short? I don't know. Oh, no, that, that's not the question I was going to posit, but... Oh, uh, what were you going to ask? I just, um, I, I guess just, like, why? <laughs> why are they so, so tall, or why all No, just, it? like, why? Oh. Why Why Fomorians? I don't have an answer for you. Genetics. Yeah, Fair. genetics are weird. And what's crazy is, like, Fomorians are technically half-siblings of all of the next races that I'm going to... Or uh, the Vodkin, first of all, and all of the other ones that I'm going to be talking about. Yeah. And oh, all- actually, no. Fomorians and Vodkin and Verbolgs and Verbeegs all have the same parentage. Both the same mother and father. Man, genetics are so weird. Yeah. Anyways. And they're the half-siblings to all of the other giants, some of which we touched on, I believe, being, like, very beautiful. Yes. And. Yes. Well, some of that will be explained in 5th edition, but give me just a moment. Oh, gotcha. Vomorians are so abominable that they are not tolerated by any, any except ogres, hill giants, and frost giants. (laughs) Great company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... Although all Fomorian settlements exist, most of the population is working as manual laborers in an ogre encampment or giant settings in the ice fires. Now, <laughs> are they sucks. actually working or are they working? Uh, yes, to both. Hmm. So they 
hold particularly dangerous or distasteful jobs and work in exchange for table scraps and warm bedding. Oh, no. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Yikes. Their deformed physiques and lack of coordination make them ill-suited for even these tasks, but the giants seem to enjoy bullying them. So their <sighs> place in the Jotunbrud society remains secure. Oh, until until the one who has an eye in the back of his head ends up in some kind of duel with another one and, you know, yeah. wins because of the eye in the back of his head. And then he's like, you know, a fucking like top tier gladiator or some shit. I mean, not that that's necessarily an enviable position, but, you know. So the, the Fomorians actually have this prophecy that there will be a giant king uh, in the wake of the heart killer's death, who I mentioned a, in the giant episode was the last child of Anam and Othea, who ended up dying in a g- huge war against the giant kin. That's or right. Or not the giant kin, the true giants. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I remember Heartkiller. Um, anyways, after Heartkiller's death, he will be born as a Fomorian. They believe that one cannot reunite the giants and reform their society without first seeing the ills of the society through the twisted Fomorian eyes. Uh, such prophets predict that at first, as a Fomorian, the king will have no memory of his identity or pr- purpose. Then, after he realizes his true destiny, he will metamorphosize into a grand giant larger than the tallest titan. Once his transformation is complete, he will accept the Fomorians as his chosen, transforming them in his own image. So, they... Okay, so they believe that this king will be born as a Fomorian. Yes. Yeah. One of the ones that they employ. No, this is something the Fomorians believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I got, hey, I mean, you've got, got to, confused for a second there. You yeah, got to hold no. on okay. to you got to hold on to something like that to get through the day. Yeah. When you look like that. But they're so yeah. this prophecy is so remarkably sophisticated and spiritual that people like historians in kayfabe are baffled at how the dull-witted Fomorians could have even began those rumors. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm kind of curious uh, about that. You know, maybe it's a, uh, I mean, yeah, it it could be, or maybe it's like a, like a, I don't want to start this, but like a, oh, it had to be aliens when it's just like, nah, maybe, maybe, I was going to say, maybe the, maybe just, you know, maybe maybe it's just the societies that aren't Western Europe could still do things, you know, it didn't have to be aliens. It didn't have to be something else. It might just be the Fomorians. So in recent editions, the Fomorians live in the Feydark. Uh, so their deformity curse is actually a result of a failed takeover of the Feywilds. Ooh. Where, and where once the Fomorians were actually the most attractive of races, the Fey cursed them to look like the evil that they had become. Oh, that's fun. Uh, Fomorians can pass their curse onto others using oh. a power called the Evil Eye. Uh, which is a last vestige of the giant's once remarkable spellcasting ability. So is it the one on the front of the face or the back of the face is the evil Depends eye? Depends on if you have two eyes. Ooh. Uh, the, a creature cursed by a Fomorian's evil eye is magically twisted and deformed and gains a glimpse into the pain and malice that has consumed this evil race. Man, that is... Um, I find that it's not very often um, done right. Um, especially because I think our, our society has a lot of differing perspectives on, on, on that sort of thing. But the, the whole, like, you know, changing the, being cursed to change the outside to look like the inside, you know, is always a good, a good, uh, storytelling. Especially because a lot of those times those people tend to be vain Mm -hmm. and learning to love yourself despite the flaws is interesting and to like not be fucking vain um and to answer your your question uh more accurately and not in a joke uh the evil eye is actually the bigger of the eyes (laughs) thank you (laughs) okay so throughout (laughs) their entire existence uh Eldrin were one of the races most hated by Fomorians due to their view worldviews being polar opposites. Along with their Cyclops ser- servants, Fomorians are considered the Feydark's greatest organized threat to Eldrin and the Feywilds in general. It's actually not true. It's because the Eldrin are so gosh darn pretty. True story. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. And then we have the Verbeeks. Verbeeks, which I, I will talk about after we take a quick break. 
Is it going to be a, a little break or a verbeeg break? Oh, my God. Final Fantasy uh, XIV red, red Mage joke. I don't really have a response to that. Nope. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode on Giantkin. Yeah. Yeah, Giantkin. Big boys. We, big boys. Very big boys. But actually not very big boys because they're smaller than... Medium boys? Than the the true big boys. Medium high boys. Sus boys. Sus boys? Sus boys. I don't know, man. <laughs> medium, medium large boys. Anyways, you know what is large? Our love... For metallic dice games. Eh, mine's more like medium large. That's a joke. Because I love we dice. love dice. We do. We do love dice. We still have our affiliate partnership with metallic dice games. Where you, it's, you know, the end of the year, you might not need to get Christmas presents. But I know some of you guys have birthdays right around the corner. Because I know way too many of you who have <laughs> December birthdays and January birthdays that are too close to Christmas. And February yep. birthdays. And February birthdays. February, February birthdays birthday. are on thin fucking ice. It's too close to Christmas. It's true. Anyways, so if you're thinking about getting me a birthday present, Lewin, <laughs> you know where you might find it? Etsy. Well, yeah. But also, MetallicDiceGames.com, where you can use code Dungeonpedia for 10% off your entire order. Yes, so get those uh, birthday presents, get those dice and everything, get your discount, everyone's happy. Uh, we do, of course, still have our Patreon, if you'd like to go there and support us more directly. It's just Dungeonpedia, you can go there, we have a few tiers available. You can read our notes. Read our notes, or just give us a dollar for how much you like us. Or don't. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, it's that's fine. another birthday present option for Taylor. Another great thing is that you can suggest more things for us to include on there, and we're open to so many different options. Yes. Yeah, because we have a, a, dearth, a dearth of, of ideas yeah. for for content. So if you want more content, by all means, let us know what you want, and we will see what we can do with it. Um, don't forget to follow us on our Twitter and Instagram, as always, just at Dungeonpedia. There you can get in on the random shenanigans we decide to pull. Uh, polls, or sometimes we'll just, you know, get on there and share a bunch of art and fun stuff, and sometimes Lewin will post memes, and it's great. It's a fun yeah. time. Uh, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or topic suggestions Anything or like that. Uh, content suggestions. That yeah. would be the greatest thing is to send us through the email. Yeah. Uh, it would also be great if you subscribe to us on whatever platform that you listen to to get notifications as soon as we post our new episodes. Like uh, like we mentioned before, we try to post on Twitter, but sometimes, well, we usually don't post on Twitter immediately after we the episode goes live because we want to hit that good, sweet hour. Yeah. And it's like a 50-50 shot on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can also... On said platforms, uh, leave us a rating and a review if said platform allows it. We'd always really appreciate that. Yes, those are so helpful. And even more helpful is telling your friends. Yeah. Your friends who like giants. It might be that it's a new year. They might be like, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start jogging in a socially distanced manner on the road and, alone. And that'll make me and that'll make me grow taller. Well, I was going to say they want to listen to a new oh. episode uh, or new podcast while they do so. <laughs> but okay. I thought that was going to be a statement about physical fitness. And I'm like, Taylor, that doesn't make you taller. No, I was thinking new year, new me, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> new year, new you, learn. learn To grow 10 inches. <laughs> <laughs> Through our podcast somehow. <laughs> that is not what happens. Not Just at all. Just claiming that. <laughs> <sighs> and uh, as always, and for the last time this year, thank you to Alexander Nakarada for our theme song, Blacksmith, which we will continue to use. Thank you. It's just so good. Uh, okay, with all that, I need to go sit down. I'm so fucking stupid. Let, I'm going to be quiet and let Taylor tell us more about, about Giant Kid. <sighs> okay. So, All right, we're we're ver back. <laughs> Tell us about these verbeeks. Uh, so verbeeks. That wasn't that funny. No, I'm just still laughing at all of it. So all of this. <laughs> verbeeks are also called human behemoths because Ooh. they resembled humans more than any other giant. Kid. Lewin has entered the chat. 
Oh, wait, they resemble humans, not behemoths. Sorry. Lewin has left the chat. Verbeaks were first introduced in the first edition Monster Manual 2 and have been in every edition since. Ooh. Hmm. And they are traditionally neutral evil. That's so strange that they've been in every edition, and I cannot recall a time of actually seeing them. I've I've heard the the name Verbeeg before, but I don't know anything about them, so... They're, you, they vary in height from 8.5 to 10 feet tall and weigh between 300 and 400 pounds. They are unusually thin for yeah. their height and parentage, though this does not inhibit their fighting ability. Huh. In all other respects, they appear human, including skin, hair, and eye color. They wear as much protective clothing and armor as they can obtain, which honestly isn't much. And they usually wear furs and hides and pieces of metal stitched into strategic places. They like almost dolls. always carry shields and the best weapon they can steal. Hell yeah. Dang. So they're just like, they're just like. Cobbling shit together. Yeah. Patchworked. Yeah. They're just like big, tall, emaciated bandit humans. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, then they're really not even that tall compared to humans. Yeah. Because like. I mean, I guess on average compared to other giant kin. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, even humans, it's like, you know. Yeah. Verbeeg can uh, be found in the same climates as, like, ogres and hill giants, and they're never found wandering alone. Most of the time, you, if you find a wandering Verbeeg, you will find them with hill giants or ogres, and you have about an equal chance of both, and they also share their lair with them. Well, oh. they also share their lair with wolves and wargs. Ooh. And it... <laughs> The monster manual actually says in polar climates, winter wolves or polar bears. Sick. Polar bear. Uh, the Verbeek are jointly ruled by a shaman and a warrior chieftain. Uh-huh. And that that's pretty much their government. Chieftain is responsible for all activities involving hunting, war, and negotiations with strangers. And the shaman is responsible for all activities inside the tribe, dispensing judgments and concerning law and magic. And, like, spiritualism and stuff. Any magical items in the tribe belong to the shaman. <laughs> Jesus. And interestingly enough, I haven't talked much about, like, the numbers for this because I just wanted to get into, like, the history and the lore and stuff. The shaman has a 90% chance of knowing how to use these. Oh, my God. So they're fairly knowledgeable in magical items. Hmm. Um, Verbeeg can eat almost anything, but they love flesh of all sorts. Oh, that's not... I mean... That, yeah. that was the precise wording. I, I want to believe that it just means meat. No. But I know better. No. no. Flesh has a very different connotation, I feel, to meat. They maintain... And probably a different taste. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? They have a mutual beneficial relationship with the hill giants and ogres in their lair, and that's because Verbeeks provide the intelligence and discretion that these giants lack. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh... Poor hill giants. Ooh, boy. Uh, <laughs> the giants provide protection and their greater fire fighting prowess. To watch... This is a direct quote. To watch a group in action can be hilarious so long as you are not their intended victim. <laughs> hill giants and ogres are too stupid to think much on their own, and they tend to file directions too, too literally. This usually infuriates the Burbeeg. They hop back and forth from foot to foot, screaming insults at the befuddled giants that tower over them in height and size, as even the simplest instructions are misinterpreted by the denser humanoids. Oh my god. <clears throat> I love this visual. Yeah, that completely. is uh, very funny. <laughs> even as conniving as these giants usually are, they still possess a sense of sort of sense of honor. They're often follow, they often follow their own rules, and they never give a sucker a break, always keeping true to their word. Verbeeks worded their promises and turns of phrase so that they were able to get out of pledging things they did not really want to follow up on. So, <laughs> the contrast is funny, because it's like they get mad at the giants and stuff for taking things too literally, but they kind of yeah take their turns of phrase very literally in almost a fae like way. Yes, one would say. Interestingly enough, um, in at, as of the fourth edition, they do sometimes live in the fae wilds. Hmm, that's fun. Yeah. So, uh, Verbeeks are notorious mercenaries and rogues, and even though they have their own settlements and societies, they prefer to live with the giants and ogres. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like. Free labor, just dealing with the stupidity. 
of yeah. the other ones. Yeah. So Verbeegs hmm. tend to make their half brothers, the giants, and the other giant kin the most uncomfortable. Their omnipresence in giant society, obvious intelligence, and penchant for underhandedness add up to make some of the more skittish members of the Yutzen brood a bit more neurotic. <laughs> yeah. A few uh, particularly adult giants have convinced themselves that the Verbeeks have already united all the kin and are carrying out a plan of infiltration aimed at conquering and enslaving all the giant races. <laughs> oh. Beautiful. Uh, they're considered paranoid and, like, just calm down. Are those the tin giants with their <laughs> with their hats? Stupid. <laughs> stupid, stupid. That's funny, though, the idea that... That the other like giants a- are... Nervous about the, the, some the, of them. Yeah, they're just like at like a giant party. Yeah, which is like a a normal size party. But and to be fair, and they're just they just see a verbeeg like standing across the way, just like holding a drink, just like chit chatting, and they're like they're plotting something. <laughs> to be fair, there are a number of verbeeg servants and laborers that are planted plotting. and plotting, not necessarily giant overthrow, but like just. You know, to Just their own whatever. Ends. Yeah. They are yeah. still there. Yeah. These guys are kind of cool, I think. When you when you take away the flesh eating component, I think they're kind of cool. They are definitely a very like interesting yeah, I think more giant interesting race. Yeah, they're uh, more interesting than I would have expected the they just look like big humans. Yeah, yeah. Giant they're, race to they're be. Really cool. Uh they're there is this one line at the end uh, that says, Visitors foolish enough to sleep in Verbeek settlements often wake to find their supplies, equipment, and sometimes even their clothing missing. <laughs> How? <laughs> How do they get the clothing off? They're very good thieves. Damn. So then we have the last of Lutiu's children, the Furbolg. Yay! The Furbolg has probably changed the most in appearance over the years. They first appeared in the first edition Monster Manual 2 and have appeared in every edition since. I yeah. honestly didn't think that the Furbolgs were that old. They they are. Yeah, I was no. thinking they were more around like third edition. And I uh, I actually tried to do um, an episode on Furbolgs ages ago, and I got I got I got to a point where I could see that they had changed a lot, yeah. like visually. Like this isn't you know uh, I didn't research far enough that I'm just going to be sitting here like oh I know all this stuff ugh uninterested by everything Taylor's saying. But, like, they've changed a lot. It's kind of unexpected, though, I will say. Yeah, I mean, initially, Furbolgs, right at the gate, appeared to be normal humans, except for the fact that they're over 10 feet tall and weigh over 800 pounds. Uh, They wear their hair long and kept great thick beards. Their skin is a fleshy pink with any shade of hair color, though blonde and red are the most common. Hmm. Fleshy. As of 5th edition, they got an overhaul to be... A lot more unique physically and socially. Furbolgs are now a lot less human-like. Uh, they're covered in thin fur of a range of colors from like earthy browns to cool grays and blues. Think like cat silver, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like a... Like a... Yeah. Like a silver blue. Yeah. For like, sure. Mm-hmm. Just because of the way it reflects light. They have these tufted bay-like ears and their noses are broader like a cow's nose. Yeah. They're, they're furries. They're cow furries. <laughs> they definitely got an overhaul there. And socially, they kind of went from Vikings to forest guardians, true druids, Crunchy. gentle giants, if you will. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I love. No, I I do I do love furbolgs. I do too. Like, and I, I that is mostly the influence of one Talus and Jaffe. But fuck, they're furbolgs so, are they're so cute. They're I cute, honestly. Say, and I know that this has been. <laughs> an issue with, like, the, the appearance overhaul specifically. I find them a lot more intriguing that they are... I've Furries. seen people have... I've seen people have issues with the fact that they went from being kind of giant in appearance, looking like giant humans, to the fact that they're now a little furry, let's be honest, and also more fae like But I find that intriguing because how many giant humanoids do you need? Well, and also, like, I feel it's already been kind of a precedent, which I know that, you know, that that very um, basic giant-like appearance was established pretty early. But, like, I feel like there's enough precedent of, like, the differences between, like, for one, 
the giants themselves, the true giant, different types of true giants themselves, and also like the Fomorians and the Verbeek. Like they look fuck it. other. They look other enough, and it, it felt like the um the the Furbolgs were kind of the odd ones out. In yeah. That regard. Anyways, some people. All are that boring. aside, some people are born. They're just afraid. Furbolgs are considered to be the most intelligent of their kin. Of all the various giant races and giant kin. Only the Furbolgs reject the concept of ordining. Oh. They don't want anything to do with it. Obviously, the giant, the true giants place them in the ordining. They just don't care. Right. They don't That's give two shits about where they're at in the ordining. Um, Furbolgs value free will over all, and restrictions of rank have no place in their clans. Fuck yeah. Beautiful. Fuck yeah. Furbolgs pioneered a crude form of democracy known as the caste. Whenever... Oh, oh, mm. <laughs> Whenever a decision affecting the clan is necessary, a call goes out to all members of the tribe to assemble and vote on the issue. To cast their ballots, the Fribbles use flat rocks engraved with their own personal runes. The actual casting the stones differ from area to area and clan to clan, and some throw them into holes dug in the ground, and others simply holding their stones over their heads when called to vote. Um, Apparently, in a large Fribbles settlement located in the Cold Mountains, there is said to exist a 50-foot-tall balance scale that the Furbolgs used to dramatically display the results of a cast. The kin of this, uh, the kin of this setting votes by placing their stones upon one of the huge pans on either side of the scale, with the heavier side winning the issue. Nice. That is amazing. So it's like C-A-S-T. As yeah. As opposed to C-A-S-T-E. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so. Oh, let me go in there. A long time ago, Furbolgs developed a code of conduct that governs their actions. And although the code is obviously thousands of years old and its exact origins are now obscured by the mist of time, um, the heart of the code suggests that individuals should be judged based on their actions rather than by birth. Fuck yeah! Deeds are the truth of their being. Oh, that's beautiful. Another of the code's important concepts is the idea that the individual is nothing without the society and preservation of society must be the highest priority of all individuals. And I feel like that's definitely born from the the way that I feel like collectively, you know, giant kin were treated based on their yes, their based parentage. on their parentage. Yes, yeah, and in general, also kind of just the way the giants treat themselves. Yeah, uh, each verbal clan reacts differently to the code and everything around them. Each clan is its own individual self, basically, but it's vital to their survival and elevation. Most verbals keep the code to themselves and believing it is virtuous to simply live the code rather than preach it. Mm-hmm. Which I... Yeah. I like that. Me yeah. too. I... Like, the code is there, but they're not going to sit there and... Proselytize. Yeah. In fact, merely talking about deeds and philosophies rather than living them is sometimes looked upon as a form of cowardice. <laughs> I like that. Me too. <gasps> Hell yeah. Dang, verbals, verbals fuck. Yeah. Um, verbals who break the code... Uh, face retribution. Minor transgressions might be settled by spending a period of time as a servant to the tribe. Slave. It says slave, but based on what I have read in other things, um, like the actual context. the actual concept is more servant to servant uh, okay. than slave slavery. I was just going to be like, no, what they mean is slave. Also, there <laughs> that would be so like fucked up if they're like free will, for free all. will, except you. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why it later gets turned into servitude. Yeah. Um, so major transgressions inevitably require banishment. Yeah. A few of these penalties are ever necessary since the code is so ingrained in most verbals from birth that few would ever think of straying. Yeah. Um, most verbals require their members to carry the code with them in a written form. Uh, for example, one clan has copies of the code written on fine parchment and seals them with amulets that they wear around. While another tattoo the codes on their chest. In red dye, oh, and another also beautiful etch the words upon finely made bracers that they swear never to remove. Oh, that's also beautiful. Um, the verbal code in the original, Pract, Strev, Rong, Langbeard, which is bravery, effort, and honor over birth. Fuck yeah! So the it illustrates the verbal's disdain for the concept of the ordining and all it represents. So verbal's actions make the individual. Also, Furbolgs see the honor and medal of an individual as representative of the honor and medal of a tribe. This is why the concept of bravery is so important to them. If uh, if someone sees that a Furbolg is acting 
weak or cowardly, they would assume that the rest of the tribe is the same way and then attack the clan. Yeah. The Furbolgs believe the only way to avoid unnecessary wars and battles is to convince all observers that all Furbolgs are fiercely brave and capable. (laughs) Uh, Hey, you know, it's probably pretty damn effective. The next part of the code goes, Stalm, Rang, Glang, Du. The tribe's honor above your honor. The whole of the clan is more important than the individual member. To honor the tribe of or clan, the Furbolg must do great deeds, and when given praise, explain that the deed would have been impossible if not for the support, education, and resources of the clan. Uh, this provision has also been interpreted to mean that the will of the individual is secondary to the will of the clan. Some renegade Furbolgs contend that this is not the case, and that the will of the individual is more important than the will of the clan. Kind of up to interpretation. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like it. it, it they're not... Um dialectically opposed to each other one might say but i feel like it it kind of their their feelings about um free free will and the rejection of things like the ordning like one clan might sort of prioritize that whereas one might prioritize like the second part like the yeah, the exactly. idea of so yeah, I feel like there could be some like they're not dialectically there are interpretations, opposed to yeah, yeah they're not dialectically opposed to each other one might say but they're kind of they could at certain extremes I think of those ideals they can come into conflict with each other yeah uh, blood etin or blood king which means the blood of a runt is the blood of a king oh that's because uh, this is the word etin yeah etin means runt I remember yeah. that callbacks uh, it <laughs> reminds the verbals to treat. All intelligent creatures equally, because Heart Killer was a runt himself, and so the lowest beggar may be elevated to the throne. Man, that's really that's a really good quote. The blood of a runt is the blood of a king. <laughs> that is mm. really good. Uh, G. Tusen Valnol, give one thousand for nothing. Charity is a virtue a virtue among Furbolg society, and though they feel that a charitable char- any charitable act is nullified if the recipient is aware of the contributor's identity. <laughs> The act itself is the virtue, not the glory associated with the act. Yeah, fuck yeah. So they would prefer to do it without them knowing then, who it was. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, some people are that way to where they, you know. For that reason. They do things to be thanked. Yeah. They do things for the gratification. They're often gregarious with friends, but quiet in public. Not They don't want to call attention to their often heroic deeds. Hmm. They're just, they're like, we have to be quiet and low-key because we're just so cool and sexy. And the last of the code, Truth Zund Stompart. Uh, sorry, Truth is the honor of the tribe. Much of Furbolg society is built on the backbone of a truthful of truthful communication. Without uh, without the truth, the Furbolgs believe that their entire society will topple. As a consequence, Furbolgs don't lie either by omission or commission. In fact, a furbolg who lies breaks out in a cold sweat, his voice cracks, his <laughs> limbs tremble, and the very act of di- dissembling causes great physical discomfort. Oh, oh my man. God. So they just can't lie. So don't don't ask your furbolg friend, what do you think of my new haircut? Actually, don't even bother, because they're going to tell you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh. That's, so, I, that's so funny. I love characters and things who are, like, comically bad liars. Oh, same, same. And I love a society that just, like, creates these these things that just can't lie. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so countless clans of, of Furbolgs exist in their own settlements away from giants. They have probably the most thriving society of all the giant kin. Yeah. Um, they build their settlements amidst rolling hills or thick forests, and they usually consist of a collection of grand wooden halls and thatched roofs, and Ooh. they kind of build into the forest. Yeah. <sighs> so, Fuck. as of 5th edition, Fribbles love nothing more than a peaceful day among the trees of an old forest. Same. They see forests as sacred places representing the heart of the world and mo- monuments to the du- du- durability of life. They have this role as caretakers, living off the land and striving to remain in balance with nature. Uh, this method, ref- me- these, their methods reflect common sense and remarkable resourcefulness. During ba- during the summer, they store away nuts and excess fruit and berries, and in the winter, they scatter everything they can spare to ensure that the animals of the woods survive until springtime. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> in a furbolg's eyes, there is no greater fault than greed. They believe that the world remains healthiest when each creature takes only what it needs. Material goods, especially gems and gold, have no appeal to them. Yeah. 
in case you didn't already guess it, they have a talent for druidic magic. No, really? <laughs> that is the shocker of the century. Their cultural reverence for nature combined with their strong and insightful minds makes learning magic instinctual to them, basically. Yeah. Uh, almost every furbolg knows a few spells, and typically those used to mask their presence. And many go on to match, m- become a druidic. Like a master druid. Yeah, an archdruid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Verbulks uh, who do become archdruids are often stronghold leaders, and these druids weigh in on not only every action the group needs, but uh, any action they ha- they need to take that would affect the forest or the rest of the natural world. Oh yeah, so okay, gotcha. Yeah, many verbulk tribes would rather go hungry than strain the land during a famine. Meh. <laughs> I love them. They they like I said they are caretakers of land the land and they. Prefer to remain out of sight and out of mind. They don't try to dominate nature, but make sure that it prospers and survives. Verbulgs use their magic to keep their presence in a forest secret. This allows them to avoid politics and struggles with elves, humans, and orcs. The yeah. big three monstrosities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they Those three only really concern the Verbulgs when it will affect the forest. I feel like they're the extreme kind of... of- the stereotypical, like, wood elf idea that a lot of people have, but, like, even more. <laughs> and now you can see why I said it feels like the Vodkin got absorbed into the Furbolgs. Yeah, definitely. Which, I mean, sucks, but also I really love the new Furbolgs. I do, too, yeah. Um, I love these crunchy, so crunchy cow furry hippies. If they're not able to just, like, redirect um, visitors outside of the forest, they take more direct action. Um, if they're peaceful, the Furbolgs approach and gently ask them to leave, offering food and other supplies to aid their departure. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> and if uh, the oh no, if those who insist on remaining actually respect nature, they take only what they need. The Furbolgs will explore the possibility of friendship. However, if settlers clearly display evil intentions, the Furbolgs marshal their strength and magic for a single and overwhelming attack. Dang. <laughs> Fuck they're, they're not fucking with the forest, man. Oh, yeah. You will you will not fuck around You're with nature. You're going to get hit by every single spell possible. Damn. Damn. Um, <laughs> Just fuck. Oh, man. That's funny. Few Furbolgs would ever dream of leaving their homes to try and fit into modern society. Um, an exiled Furbolg, for one, might. Uh, one whose clan has been destroyed. Uh, those who might not have a choice are the ones you're going to most commonly see adventuring. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why there's a lot of this information about Furbolgs and not the other giantkin is because Furbolgs are a playable character in 5th edition. Yes. Um, yes. So the 2nd edition giant craft supplement did give suggestions on how to create player characters for the others, but it wasn't as in-depth as 5th edition is with yeah. the Furbolgs. And it was like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, back then people still weren't like gung-ho about playing these kind of off races. Yeah, they yeah. were afraid. So, real quick, uh, this isn't actually in the notes, but I want to talk about it. I want to talk about this interesting trait among giantkin that is mentioned just out of nowhere. I still don't understand exactly why it was mentioned. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, all of giantkin, including furbolgs, verbeaks, fomorians, you name it, are susceptible to... One very uh, human affliction, lycanthropy. Holy they are shit. highly susceptible to lycanthropy in all forms. What Holy shit! Yeah. Where? <laughs> oh, yeah. A werewolf furbolg. No, a were cow furbolg. It oh, just gets no. more cow. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so. Holy shit! That's fucking bad. That that idea is badass, though. Like a werewolf furbolg. Yeah. Wear dolphin fur bowl. Remember wear dolphins, guys. I don't. That's a callback. I, that is a callback. That's a. I don't think any of us want to remember the wear dolphin. <laughs> well, I do, so I'm making all of you remember it with me. Holy shit! That's so. Uh, okay, why can't it be? All right. Before we finish up, I want to talk very briefly about the least loved of giant kin, who are not in any way related to Ulatia. Or did you just Ulatiu? make their ship name Ulatiu. You just made a, you just just made made a their sh- ship name. A ship name. They're n- in no way related to Ulutiu. And that's the ogres and the cyclopses. That's, Sucks uh-huh. for the Ana, the Anatia shippers out there. Ogres were introduced in the very first monster manual, and they have been in every edition since with very little change. 
Yeah, I would imagine yeah. that they're um kind of like a, a null a nullish, like the broad strokes of them remain pretty they much the kinda same. Kinda just like got that right from yeah. the get go and they're they were like, like yeah, if we're it ain't broke, don't it. fix it. Yeah. Like I said, ogres are uh from Othea's dalliance with Vaprak. Ogres are lazy, brutish, etc., much like hill giants, and ogres were gluttonous creatures willing to eat almost anything. Yep. Mm-hmm. They enjoyed the taste of raw dwarf flesh, oh. but would also eat halfling or elf flesh when they could get it. <laughs> okay. Mm. And they would often use the skin and bones of their prey to fashion crude loincloths and necklaces. These were pretty much as close to monsters as intelligent creatures could get. Yeah. Like, let me reiterate this. Orcs hate ogres. Orcs. Orcs. You know when orcs are like, oh, you're bestial and nasty. That's like when you know. But in some editions, ogres do associate with goblinoids, orcs, and fellow giant controls. The orcs still hate them, though. Like, they associate with them, but they're like, fuck, do we have to? Which, whether or not trolls are actually giant kin is actually up for debate. I didn't actually include them in this because it's kind of complicated. Hot takes over here with Taylor. Trolls are not giant kin. Joke. In the social structure of the giants, um, the ordning, the ordning, ogres are considered the lowest ranked of all giant kin. Yeah, oh, I'm okay. Not surprised. Uh, because of this, they were typically found to be willing servants of giants because they had no other option, really. Yeah, there's no one I else mean, below them. Well, the, their option is to say "fuck you" and go live in the forest. Yeah. Well, giant races that. We're, uh, well, I mean, I already mentioned that the Verbeaks sometimes use them for labor, and Hill Giants use them for labor and yeah. labor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Which I guess that's why it's considered both. Yeah. So the, they uh, they sometimes trade with, for trinkets and food, though, but, I mean, they're not very intelligent. Like, yeah. they're kind of, like, they're really just... Yeah. As close to an intelligent creature as you can get while still being a monster. Yeah. Or vice versa. Um, So moving on. Cyclopsies, which were interestingly enough chaotic neutral, uh, were introduced in the original D&D in 1974. Huh. They stood at 12 feet, weighing in about 1,200 pounds. Uh, Cyclopsies were usually earthy tones that blended into their surroundings. It mentions that both male and female Cyclopsies of the Feywild were bald and had spiked heads instead of hair. <laughs> That's fun. Um, Whoa. Other Cyclops heads. had hair and more human-like appearances. The most interesting part of a Cyclops oh, oh, in oh, any oh, oh. mythology. Yes, Loon? They have one eye. They have one eye I right in the middle it. of their foreheads. Ding, 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 ding. It tended to be the same color as their skin. Um, this eye was huh. rumored to cause fear any who looked at it, but honestly, that's probably just because it's a big thing that only has one eye. And sometimes yeah, so it's like head. you know, they they didn't have any depth perception really, <laughs> yeah. so they couldn't use any missile weapons very well, and uh, couldn't. Um, they're the only only giant can creature that cannot throw a rock <laughs> because they have zero depth, depth perception. perception. <laughs> yep, I mean they can yeah. throw one. It just <laughs> they just are probably not gonna hit anything they're trying to hit. You just like have to roll roll a percentage dice against like like ninety nine percent one percent chance. Yeah, like ninety nine percent chance you're not gonna hit what you're trying to hit. That's Pretty much. Um, oh. So I will say, not even the giants know what to make of the cyclopses or cyclops kin, which I didn't even delve into. Mm-hmm. Uh, these. Unfortunate creatures have tried to claim the legacy of Anam for thousands of years, which is why I mentioned them and not the trolls. But most giants believe that the they're they're from one of Othea's dalliances, but not sure who. Certainly not Anam. Jesus. No, no, definitely not Anam. Jesus. Yeah, I think it's interesting though that the ordning actually considers a, a a true ranking for the different types of giant kin. I guess I just thought it would just be like, because what is it, Ettons at the very bottom, right? Yeah. It would just be like Ettons and then just like a giant tier, <laughs> tier, uh, for uh, like giant kin. And they would just all kind of be there, you know? Well, honestly, if I had to guess, because I d- didn't really see anything, um, it would basically be all of Ulutiu's giant kin children and then the rest of the them. rest of them <laughs> with um with ogres 
Yeah. Just at the very, very bottom of the barrel. Cyclops don't even get a rank in the ordning because they don't know where they came from. They're just somewhere in the margin. No clue. They're just like, um, yeah, yeah. You don't exist to us on that that Greek island, you know. But that's all I got. Woo! Giant. That's the giant kin. Thank you for doing one on Furbolg, so that way I don't feel bad. (laughs) I don't feel bad for trying to do it a while ago and not succeeding. It's okay because Furbolgs are adorable. They're amazing. Like they're real. Like they're really cute. Honestly, they are. They're especially. Thank you, Five E. Like right. I, we can get into it for a long time, but th- at the end of the day, I think Five E did some great things for Furbolgs. I yeah. think they did too. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Furbolgs from the beginning because, like I said, I thought that yeah, yeah, they were more like I mean, third edition. Like I said, I mean, it's just like they changed them from generic tall humans to yeah something unique and different, right? Yeah, which you know, I think is. Really good, considering mm-hmm. that the giant kid needed some sort of like, yeah, interesting in that in that way. Because I will say that I like I said I I find the um um verbeegs to be a little more intriguing than intriguing than I would expect from uh, b- b- just big what human, I said big human <laughs> yeah you know anyway thank you guys so much for listening um really appreciate it don't forget to follow us on Twitter on Instagram. Anywhere you can. Which is those. Which is those two. Which is those two. Yeah. Um, if you have anything that you would like to suggest as a topic for us to cover or questions or really anything, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to spread the word to your friends, to your family. And or your friends who like giants. Spread yeah. the good cheer also. I mean, like, I, I know I made jokes at the beginning about how it's a just a concept of time but think about it in another way you made it through all that time yeah you did you made it another year congratulations we have all made it another year so try to end the year on a happy note yeah whether your happy note is just sitting at home and playing a game or well i don't really suggest going out and doing something but unless you live in an area where that's okay right now or you know you can go like outside yeah just like stand there we do you that know, often. Enjoy enjoy nature like a furball. Like a furball. Yeah. Or a vodkin. Yeah. Either way, have a very good new year. And uh, we'll catch you here next week. Next and year. Next year. With another episode of Dungeonpedia. <sighs> we did it, guys. I covered the furballs. You did it. You covered the furballs. <laughs>